We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on again tonight. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, Just uh, wanted to take some time in this episode to uh, break down a couple of visits I've been on recently. Um, So far this season, week zero, I was able to go to the University of Illinois. Week one, I went to Purdue as they hosted Penn State. And then just this past weekend, I performed my first doubleheader of attending UConn at Michigan and Pittsburgh at Western Michigan. So I want to kind of break down that, talk about that a little bit, give you guys some insight on that. Uh, I want to talk about the unfortunate uh, situation that the UConn football program is under now with the some of the major injuries that are piling up. then I want to take some time uh, a little bit to talk about um, the two coaching va- coaching vacancies we already have and uh, um, some that I see in the future potentially. So, but if, like I said, let, let, let me first start off with UConn football. Um, unfortunate news today of uh, Nigel Fitzgerald, who I've had on the show, fantastic guy. Um, Somebody I'm really, really pulling for. Um, somebody I've talked to many times. Um, just thoughts and prayers with him as he uh, tore his ACL in practice today. Um, very, very unfortunate for him. Um, but it's, like I said, thoughts and prayers with him. Um, just just a sad, sad situation. Um, somebody who's been there and done that, I... I I know how difficult it is. I know how difficult that road back can be. Um, but I just got to say with the, the just the amount of injuries that UConn has had this year. I mean, you lose um, potentially you lose one of the best receivers um, in, in training camp heading into the season. You lose the starting quarterback um, four plays into the season you lose the best wide receiver that you have um, in the first half of the season. Then you lose running back number two, an All-American kick returner potentially for the season. Um, Nate Nate Carter, running back one, uh, is definitely out this week against NC State. It, do, it, it doesn't look good moving forward. Then, of course, now Nigel with his ACL injury. And then... Uh, Matt Drayton getting arrested and kicked off the team. That's obviously not an injury situation, but still a significant hit. Um, y- you just you feel you feel terrible for the guys getting injured because, I mean, obviously that's not ever something that you that you look at or ever want to happen. Then you can throw in the kicker as well, tearing his ACL um, before the season as well. Um, 
almost all these injuries are freak accidents. Freak injuries have just happened. Shoulders, collarbones, things that you can't prevent. Um, the ACL situations, um, uh, they, they, it, it can be a strength conditioning thing potentially. But I also think, too, like you're playing football. Sometimes you bend one way. Your body goes one way, and you're supposed to go the other way, and it just doesn't work out. So, I mean, it. I, I know that there's some people questioning the strength and conditioning aspect. Um, but I would err on the side of caution there just because I, I just feel like this is just unfortunate freak accidents that are happening. And it's, uh, it's like I said, it's extremely unfortunate for the UConn Huskies and just the coaching staff and the players because they've worked their butts off to get to this point um, to, to put themselves in a position to be successful and to have the amount of injuries that they've had uh, to the key, key offensive players is huge. Um, I mean, we all know this is already a team that lacked depth a little bit. Um, and then you take away the best players and you really put you really put in a bind um something uh my good friend justin brissett and i talked about last night um in our nc state preview episode um was how a lot of these young freshmen or sophomores are going to get a ton of playing time and it's great because you these young guys are getting playing time but you are burning their red shirts but at the same time two to three years from now these guys, nothing's going to phase them. Like they walked into the University of Michigan. Yes, they. It didn't go the way that UConn fans would have liked, but at the same time, when they go to Ohio State in 2025, that's not going to look as anywhere as scary or nerve wracking to these young guys because they one, they'll be a lot older. Two, they've been there and done that playing at Michigan. So I mean, this is, it's a big deal. Um, the, f the front end of the schedule this year obviously has been extremely difficult for UConn. I mean, you go you to Utah State, um, looking at it now with the sum of injuries that occurred, UConn could have won that game. You look at Syracuse, much better than anybody thought, myself included. Um, that's a very good football team. Obviously, the University of Michigan is a college football playoff contender, a national championship contender. Then you got NC State this week, who is a contender in the ACC, a contender to get to the playoff as well. Then you got Fresno State after that, who is a very legitimate threat to win the Mountain West and to possibly be that G5 team that makes it to uh, New Year's Six Bowl, potentially. Thankfully, the latter half of the schedule um, sets up a little bit better, but the, are, are the Huskies going to be healthy enough to to get to the point where they can win some of those games. I mean, there's very winnable games on the back half of the schedule, but just these injuries are piling up. And the one thing, I already said this on Twitter tonight, but I'm going to say it again. Um, UConn fans, we have to support this team. we got to support the guys. We have to support the coaching staff. These young men are, are, are probably so disheartened by – so many of the things that are happening, so many things that have gone on. Obviously, they, they don't want to get beat the way they've been beaten. Um, the coaching staff obviously doesn't want that either. But we we see it week in and week out. We saw it at the end of that Michigan game when they were getting beat handily. 
you see guys out there competing and playing hard. These Huskies are playing hard. They're representing the state of Connecticut and the in the University of Connecticut and themselves and the program and the coaching staff. They're representing it in the right way because they are playing hard. And they're going to keep doing that. These guys have worked their butts off to get to this point. And I wish it could be rewarded uh, the way that they deserve to be rewarded. Um, but I know I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. I cannot wait to go to support this team when they play at Ball State. I cannot wait to go to support this team when they play UMass. And I can't wait to support this team from sitting in my house watching them. I, I, I cannot wait to continue to support this team. Because, like I said, these guys have worked their tails off. And they're going to continue to do so. And they need our support and encouragement to get through this. If, if we're able to do that, if we're able to stick together and be positive, they'll be able to stick together. And trust me when I say this. If they're able to stick together through this, when it comes to next year and the following year, things are really going to set up well. And things are going to come together. So I think there's a there's a great opportunity, obviously, for these young men to seize playing time and to seize an opportunity. Um, and I cannot say it enough. We have to support this team. We have to cheer for this team. We have to just continue to support them. That's my number one thing. Um now let me let me talk about uh, just the, the visits I've been on. I, I I haven't talked about my Purdue visit from week one. Um, I've been mean to do that for a while. Just for one, what a fantastic football game that was between Purdue and Penn State. I mean, we we found out over the past couple weeks Penn State's probably a lot better than we thought. Um, Purdue lost narrowly in that game to Penn State, and then they lost narrowly this week at Syracuse. So Purdue is one and two. But they've lost two games against two Northeast teams that are that we've learned are are pretty good. Um, obviously, the Purdue offense, the passing offense, I should say, Aiden O'Connell is fantastic. He threw for over 420 yards this week against Syracuse. He threw for over 400 yards in that game against Penn State when I was there. Uh, the young man is a fantastic football player. But I, I first have to talk about my experience at the game. Um, just a fantastic environment, um, a blessing to be able to sit on the sideline. I sat right behind the Penn State bench, um, right near their end zone or the end zone there. Um, just if, I've never sat that close at a at a FBS football game before, so that was a huge blessing. Um, just a, a great opportunity to do that. Um, uh, just. The back and forth shootout. Um, the Purdue fans were fantastic. I mean, I, I got to the game early as I always do. Um, I was able to see the Purdue players come in um, with the boiler train leading them. Um, it's a really cool experience there. I was able to see the Penn State players get off the bus, see the Penn State chants chanting, We are Penn State. Um, first off, Penn State fans traveled tremendously. That was awesome. Uh, I, I sat close to a ton of Penn State fans being behind Penn State's bench. And what a great, great group of fans that was. A very passionate people. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. 
But I have to give kudos to the Purdue fans. It was a blackout. The student section was there hours early. I mean, it was it was a tremendous environment. And what a football game it was. Just a really, really good football game. Personally, I thought Purdue should have won the game. They just just didn't turn out that way. Made a made some key mistakes at key times at the end of the first half. Um, then towards the end of the game, uh, but just a really fantastic football game. Um, got to see Jaden Ivy up close, which for me, being a diehard Detroit sports fan, that was exciting. Uh, he led the the shout chant, um, so that was really cool. Just an amazing environment. Just to see to see a black a blackout like that. Um, I know that they were trying to play play on Penn State's whiteout, um, but Purdue fans should be excited about the team that they have on the field because they still have an opportunity to win the Big Ten West, even though they've lost a couple games. Um, Penn State has everything in front of them to have a very successful season, too. So it'll be interesting to see how both of those seasons turn out for each team. But I have to tell you, going to Ross-Aid Stadium is definitely a place you want to get to. Um, the boiler chants, uh, the train honking after scores, the flashing of the lights, just just a tremendous environment. And I mean, I understand I went to a big-time Big Ten game opening opening night on Thursday night, first first week one day game or night game of the season. So I mean, it was it the atmosphere was unbelievable. Um, but I, I, like I said, I think that's that's something that you got to look at. Um, there was potentially some coaching questions um, from the Purdue perspective as Purdue was up um, in the fourth quarter, continued to pass the ball. They could have run the ball, run out the clock a little bit, potentially won the game that way, uh, but it didn't didn't work out. Um, unfortunately for them i understand that's the way they play though like that they, they they play that way they pass that's what they do so i completely understand what coach brahm was doing there um just because that's how they play they don't take their foot off the gas that's what they do um so I, i'm not i'm not questioning him in that regard and the decision making he made because i understand as a former coach myself you, you have to continue to play the way that you play i mean and that's how they play they don't they don't just stop doing what they're doing they continuously pass the ball that's what they do um and maybe they don't trust their running backs enough to um time will tell there i mean as the season goes on they're going to need to build at least some part of a running game but again that was my week one trip uh week two i didn't make a trip um that uh that second week of September, I, I will always be at home because my wife um, in her hometown um, here in Illinois, there is a huge fair that they have. Um, everybody goes to. She's been going to it since she was a little kid. And thousands and thousands of people go to this fair. So, I mean, it's a huge deal in that area. So, it's just something. She goes to the concert. It's a whole week whole weekend thing so good for the kids to get out and all this and that but i was at home i watched games um 
and every and and all that. But so week two of the season, that second week of September, I will never be going anywhere. That's just the the that's the agreement I have that I have with my wife. It's only fair to she lets me travel all over the place, do all this fun stuff. So it's only right for me to reciprocate that by allowing her to do things that she loves to do too. Um, but I made up for it this past weekend. Um, first time, first doubleheader, first time I've ever gone to two games in one day. And guys, I have to tell you, it, it's such an exhilarating feeling. Um, just, I can't wait till I get to do it again. Like I, I'm legitimately going to tell you, I, I tweeted this out too. Like I cannot wait to do it again. Because just the excitement that I feel going into a stadium, and the the two stadiums I got to go to, I was really excited um, about the environments in both places. Um, but just just an amazing experience, one of the best experiences of my life. Um, and and I've been blessed with being married and having children. Obviously, those are far and away the best experiences of my life. But looking at from a sports perspective, from coaching and playing, I've played in some amazing games and amazing atmospheres, and I've coached in some amazing games and amazing atmospheres with some very high stakes. And uh, I will put this experience of going to two games in one day right up with any of the sports achievements that I've been to. Um, just, just an amazing uh, opportunity. Uh, first game I went to was a game that I've had circled for a long time. The Yukon Huskies went to the University of Michigan. Um, like I've said before, Michigan Stadium, the big house, is a venue I've been to countless times. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been there because I've been there so many times. I grew up as a kid going there. My dad um, was a huge influence in that. Um, then I've had great friends that I've went with as well. Um and Michigan will always be near and dear to my heart just because of just the growing up um, being a diehard Michigan fan. <clears throat> but I had to go, I had to go this time, of course, because the Yukon Huskies are involved and just the love and passion that I've grown to have for Yukon and just the fans that support me, the Yukon Husky Nation, and just the, the players and coaches that have been so gracious to come on my show and do so many things to help me to. I had to go and support the Huskies. Um, so this is the first time in my life I go to Michigan Stadium not cheering for the University of Michigan. So it was a, it was a different experience, I will say. Um, I, I get to the stadium um, early um, because I wanted to, one, go tour through Chrysler Arena um, using my connections in the basketball world and because of my dad uh, getting to go into Chrysler Arena Chrysler Center, that's one of my favorite places on earth to be, and it always will be. Um, that place means a lot to me. Um, Michigan basketball will always be near and dear to my heart, and uh, I always enjoy going there. Just a great experience, but I also wanted to make sure I was there early because I wanted to be there as soon as the gates opened to go meet as many of the Husky players and coaches as I, as I could, and Fortunately, I was able to do that. I had a fantastic conversation with offensive coordinator Nick Charlton before the game down, down right on the sideline. Fantastic person, fantastic human being, great football coach. Um, he, he, he's doing great things with these guys. Um, just an amazing guy. Uh, seeing Jim Mora 
uh, seeing a bunch of the players, just a fantastic experience just to be able to interact with uh, people that I've talked to through this podcast, but now to meet them and and uh, for them to put a name to a face with me as well. Uh, just a really, really cool experience. Um, then, of course, uh, I make the trek up to the corner of the stadium where they put all the Yukon fans because I wanted to sit with all the Yukon fans. That was, that was the whole experience of this because I I've, I've sat at the 50 yard line at Michigan stadium. I've sat close at Michigan stadium many times. Like that's, I've been there and done that as a Michigan fan. So I wanted to experience this game from the Husky perspective. Um, I have to say this was the worst seat I've ever had at Michigan stadium, but it was well worth it. It was well worth it just to be able to sit and interact with the UConn fans. Just a great group of people who are very passionate. I was able to meet a, a good amount of people who I've interacted with on Twitter. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to meet everybody. Um, I look forward to doing that in the future, whether it be when I go to Ball State or when I come to Connecticut uh, to see them play UMass or in the future, wherever it may be. Uh, just a fantastic group of people. Um, I, I was really, really happy to see that, one, their passion. Um, they want their team to succeed, as the players and coaches do, obviously. But it, it, it was really cool to see them, like, understand the growing pains and the growing process and to, like, stay positive. Um, and, I'm, and, and I'm sure there's, there's plenty of negativity, obviously. I mean, when things are going the way they're going, there's going to be negativity. But from the most part... What I saw, the people I was sitting with, positive vibes. And and almost everybody was just excited to be at Michigan Stadium. I mean, what that means to college football, um, what that place means is, I mean, that's it might be the mecca of college football. It might be. I mean, the, you put 110, 112,000 people in there, and it's special. I mean, it's a special place, and I, I can tell you that because I've been there many times. It's special. But I will say this one time, it was, I, I actually walked in there. And if you listen to my episode with my good friend Kevin um, from last week, he, he did the same thing. He grew up a diehard Michigan fan, been there a million times just like I have. But he goes there when they're uh, playing Western Michigan last year. And in every fiber of his being, he wanted Western Michigan to beat Michigan. And I can firmly say that I wanted UConn to beat Michigan in every way. I really did. Um, I mean, I kind of knew what I was walking into, obviously. But at the same time, I'm like, I want UConn to succeed, and I want them to win this game. So that was that was an interesting feeling. Um, a really cool experience, though. Uh, um, pair, some uh, skydivers dove onto the field. Um, there were active service members. So that was really, really cool to watch that. Um, it was their military appreciation day. So a, a lot of fantastic things went on, um, involving military people, um, and those that have served, which is near and dear to my heart because my grandfather served in, uh, Vietnam. Uh, my great grandfather, um, is 102, will be 103 in March, served in world war two and stormed the beach of Normandy on D-Day. Um, and is still alive and kicking. He just got his driver's license, take, driver's license taken away at 102 years old. Um, still in good health, lives on his own. I mean, he has some assistance when needed, but he uh, 
just an amazing human being. I mean, the, what, I mean to be 102 and do the things that he's still able to do and just the life that he's had. Um, I, I, I always am very thankful to every single military uh, personnel, anybody who's served currently or has ever served. I thank you for that. Um, and I, 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 because I praise God that I don't have to do that. So I, I, I give all the kudos in the world to those men and women that do that. Um, so I was very happy seeing that the university of Michigan doing so many great things with that. It was fantastic. Um, obviously the play on the field didn't go the Huskies way. Of course. I mean, kind of expected you're playing Michigan, one of the best teams in the country. Um, I know a lot of people will give Michigan a lot of a lot of crap because they haven't played the toughest schedule. But I will tell you, I've seen, I watched it with my own two eyes. That that team is one of the best teams in the country. I mean, that offense is so efficient. That defense is super quick and aggressive, and that team's loaded. I mean, they have ever, anything and everything you could want. There's no reason why they can't win the Big Ten give Ohio State a run, and do it again. I mean, there's no reason why they can't. That team, with J.J. McCarthy at quarterback, Blake Corm at running back, a plethora of receivers and tight ends, and a fantastic defense. I mean, that's a fantastic football team. Um, and, and like I said, guys, if you haven't been to Michigan Stadium, it has to be on your bucket list. I mean, I'm not saying you need to go to every stadium like I'm going to do, but you need to go to the University of Michigan. It is one of the greatest experiences you will ever have. You are going to be sitting with 110 to 112,000 people um, who are extremely passionate about their team. Um, the stadium's not as loud as you would think it would be with that many people, but I think it's because it's sunk in. Um, so, and plus, Michigan fans just aren't as boisterous as, say, SEC fans or whatnot. But it's still, I mean, it's one of those places that, I mean, James Earl Jones announces the games. I mean, you got Darth Vader as the PA announcer. I mean, it's a special, special place. They run out the block M, touch the sign, and there's nothing better. Um, the intro video with James Earl Jones talking, this is the University of Michigan. We are the greatest university on the planet, and it is you get goosebumps and I'm not, and I get goosebumps. I'm getting them now just thinking about it. And I understand I have a connection to the university, unlike most people, but I think you would have to be, uh, you would have to be really disconnected. I think to not like for that, not to move you because it is just something where you're just sitting there and you realize the greatness. Like Michigan has the most wins in the history of college football. And, and that stadium has been around since darn near the beginning of college football. It is, it is an amazing structure. It is an amazing place and obviously an amazing program that represents it. So just a fantastic experience, obviously. I mean, I wish, I wish the game could have been closer for the Huskies' sake, but it is what it is, and it's going to be a great learning experience for those guys. I mean, me and Justin went through that. Uh, pretty significantly um, in the last episode last night. So I'm not going to go too deep into that. But I look, I, again, get to the University of Michigan, get to see a game there. Then the nightcap, I go to, I make the hour and a half journey from Ann Arbor, Michigan to Kalamazoo um, for Pittsburgh at Western Michigan. 
obviously going into that game, um, it's a big deal, obviously. It's on ESPNU. Um, it's a huge op- – it's Western Michigan's home opener against an ACC opponent, a team who they beat last year in Pittsburgh and knocked them out of the playoff, basically. Pittsburgh goes on to win the ACC. Um, had a fantastic season. Has a Heisman Trophy finalist, a quarterback last year. And Western Michigan beat them. So Pittsburgh comes in, obviously, with a chip on their shoulder. But they're starting their third-string quarterback, a redshirt freshman. Um, Keaton Slovis is out. The backup's out. Um, I, I was a little disappointed I didn't get to see Keaton Slovis play just because he has NFL potential himself. But nonetheless, just... I was so excited, though, when I got there um, just to experience a game at Waldo Stadium and the student section. One whole side of the field was full of students. I mean, it was amazing, just an amazing environment. They showed out. They were ready to go. They were loud, boisterous, 22,000 people there. I mean, it was fantastic. By far the best Mac environment I have been to. And I, and I haven't been to every Mac venue. I have not. But it, it it definitely is better than NIU. It's a million light years ahead of Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan. Um, just, just a fantastic environment. And I understand I went there for the home opener at night. They're playing an ACC team. I get that, but still, that that was a tremendous environment. And I, I was sitting in midfield um, on the alumni side, basically. Just just an amazing experience. And Western Michigan held their own. I know the score ended up being a lot bigger than what it was, but that was a one-score game the whole time. It really was. Um, Western Michigan turned the ball over three times. That's why they lost the game. Um, if they don't throw three interceptions, they threw a pick six, and then they threw two others in the red zone. So, I mean, really, really killed them there. Um, but I got to say, a game at Waldo Stadium, that, and I've heard – good things about it going into it but that's the best experience i've had like i said at a mac stadium and one of the best experiences i've had at a college football stadium in general Uh, just a fantastic environment a ton of fun uh major complaint i guess i would have is the the video board they don't replay the plays very well um the speaker (laughs) one of the speakers is broke uh, or it's not broke, but the base is broke, I guess you could say. So I guess that those would be my complaints about Waldo Stadium. But from from the game and fan perspective, it was great. Um, I loved it. I, I actually look forward to going back. Um, I would love to go back when they play like NIU this year in a big midweek Mac West matchup. I would love to go back. Um, and it's not terribly far from me. I mean, it's four hours away. Um, I get, I get an hour back when I travel back home. So, uh, all said and done, I woke up to go to the Michigan game. Eastern time, it would have been seven o'clock. It would have been six o'clock central time for me in my head. So I won't, let's just say I woke up at six o'clock, drove to Ann Arbor, then watched the game, drove to Kalamazoo, watched the game. And I was home in my bed at two o'clock or I guess in my bed at like two fifteen in the morning. So obviously a long day, but well worth it, guys. I I, I couldn't have loved it anymore. Um, and like I said, I cannot wait to do it again. And I highly recommend going to 
obviously Michigan Stadium, but I also highly recommend going to Waldo Stadium. Just great place to watch a football game. R- really was. Um, I didn't know what I was walking into when it came to that one, just because Mac venues can kind of be quiet. But Waldo Stadium was not quiet. That was a great atmosphere, guys. Um, I want to conclude the show now uh, talking about um, some of the coaching openings. Um, obviously, we got we got two already. <laughs> um, you look at Nebraska, obviously making a change, and then Arizona State, of course, making a change. Um, I I think I, I've heard some stories at Arizona State. There there's been some rumors. Uh, flying around that 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 they were even uh, trying to help. They were helping some of the opposing teams, giving them some information, different people in the athletic department, so they could beat Herm Edwards' teams just so they could fire him. Which, if that's the case, that that's one of the lowest things you can do. Um, I, I hope that's not the truth. But in today's world, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, if that's the case you should have just fired him. I mean, you, you got tons of allegations out there. The, the NCAA is hot on their tail, allegedly. Yeah, who knows with the NCAA. But that's a job I look at, and it's like, what does their future hold? What What's their where, – where are they going to go in conference realignment? How's that all going to work out? Who knows? Um, there, there's been some names thrown around that are, that are intriguing to me. Um, for both, obviously, the Nebraska job and Arizona State. Um, I think it's very apparent that Colorado job will be opening up very soon. If you haven't seen um, the letter that was put out by the Colorado AD talking about the head coach, uh, um, might as well fire him for what he for what he said publicly in this letter. But uh, uh, Carl Durrell, obviously under duress, <laughs> but. I think that job's going to be open soon. I think uh, Collins at Georgia Tech, I think that job's going to be open very, very soon. Um, and, and I know a lot of people, of course, one of the huge names out there right now is Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, where he's going to end up. I think if the Georgia Tech job is open, I think he's a fantastic candidate for that job because, I mean, he was a – I mean, he played in Atlanta. He was a draft their their top pick um, to the Atlanta Falcons when he first came out of college. So, I mean, he knows the area. I mean, it doesn't matter wherever he goes. I think he's going to have success because he's going to be able to recruit. But can you imagine Deion Sanders recruiting athletes to Atlanta, Georgia? Like, are you kidding me? Like, that would would be insane. Um, But I also want him to coach at his alma mater at Florida State, which which leads me to – Arizona State. Um, Mike Norvell obviously has, has had uh, some history there. So I wonder if he he's obviously doing very well at Florida State this year, finally getting some traction. Would he possibly leave <clears throat> Florida State and the potential headache that it's caused him to go to a place where he feels more comfortable um, in Arizona? A uh, lot less pressure, obviously. Um than at Florida State. Potential, potentially, who knows? We'll, time will tell. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I think that Georgia Tech job opening, I think that it only would make sense for 
for uh, Deion Sanders. I mean, Auburn, that that job I think is going to open up very soon too. Um, Brian Harrison is obviously has not lived up to any expectations. I had no expectations for him. I thought it was a terrible hire just because he didn't have the like the connections and I didn't think he won enough to be the head coach at Auburn. Um, but that's not a job I would want at all because the boosters at Auburn, it's terrible. I mean, you're, the coach is not in charge at Auburn, just like at Texas, the coach is not in charge. Um, and which, which, which I think makes what Nick Saban's done at Alabama so amazing because he's literally just told the boosters sit down and shut up. This is my show. And he runs it that way. Um, I, I, I personally don't know who Auburn would get, who's, who they're going to get. Um, you could speculate some names, but that's that's not a job I would want to touch. If I was a good G5 coach or P5 assistant, I mean, that's not a job I want to touch, honestly. Um, you look at Nebraska, and there's three names that, that stick out to me. And I'm going to throw another name out there that I've talked about as well. Um <clears throat> O'Brien, the off, the coordinator at Alabama, I think that makes sense. Obviously, he's coaching the NFL. He's had success at the college level. Um, I think he could have success at Nebraska. Um, he knows what he's doing. Obviously, guys who work for Nick Saban have had plenty of success, um, and you can see that. Um, so there, there's that possibility. Um, Matt Campbell at Iowa State I think is a good fit too. Um, what he's done at Iowa State. Now I know a lot of people are like, oh, they haven't won 10 games, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the fact that he goes to bowl games at Iowa State is tremendous because of Iowa State's history. What he's done there is amazing. Yes, they didn't win as many games last year as they should have, but he's still done an amazing job at Iowa State that nobody else has really ever done before. But the guy I would look at if I was Nebraska, if you're really looking to build your program and build it correctly is Lance Leopold at Kansas. What he's done at Kansas this year and in two short seasons is remarkable. Kansas was the worst P5 program in the country, and it wasn't even close. They were getting destroyed week in, week out. Last year, he beats Texas. This year, they're 3-0, and and they've looked good. Like, they throttled Tennessee Tech. They did what a P5 team is supposed to do to an FCS team. And Kansas hasn't done that in a long time. Then they turn around the next week. They win their conference opener on the road at West Virginia, which is a very tough place to play. They go to West Virginia, and they win in overtime. They f fight through adversity, get a big W on the road. And then they turn around this past week and get a big win too. So I'm, I... I then they're coming in this week. They're hosting Duke, another team that's way overachieved this year. So you got three, two, three and O teams that no one saw coming. Um, if I was Nebraska, that's who I would hire, just because of what he's done there. It's tremendous. I, 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 what he's been able to do at Kansas. I mean, just think what he could do at Nebraska with that resource, with the resources there. Um, but the name I'm going to throw out there just because I think the boosters would love it. A return to the option of sorts is Jamie Chadwell from coastal. I know I had a little discussion about this. I mean, obviously I don't want him to go there because I'm a coastal fan and I love coach Chadwell and I love the shots. 
but I think the boosters at Nebraska want to return to those glory days of running the option. Now, I don't think they would ever return to the triple option because I don't think you can do that at the P5 level. I think that was proven at Georgia Tech under Johnson. Um, but I think if you could get Coach Chadwell's spread option, um, that that wrinkle, I think Nebraska boosters and fans would love that. However, I think it's going to be one of the three guys I already mentioned. Um, I would pick Lance Leopold, but I could see him with going with Matt Campbell or uh, Bill O'Brien as well. Um, but again, that Arizona State job, I think, is it's it's an interesting position because you could possibly be walking into some heavy sanctions potentially. Um, but I could see Mike Norvell um, wanting to leave the headache that's been Florida State for him. Um, then obviously the other two jobs that people are kind of see opening up, Georgia Tech, Auburn, um, probably the soonest. Uh, but again, time will tell. I mean, you never know how this stuff works out. Um, but again, thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, to all my episodes. It's very much appreciated. You can always feel free to follow me personally at coach underscore be will. Follow the podcast at TNT Couchfoot One. Um, if you want to support me financially and my travels, it's greatly appreciated. Um, you always can, there's a link in my bio to do that. You can always uh, contact me directly um, through, always looking for advertisements too. Um, just anything and everything. Uh, I want to make this, I want to make this my full-time job. I hope you guys love what I'm doing. Um, and uh, again, thank you guys for the support always. Have a good night. God bless.